figured we'd all just take a minute and appreciate the fact that the cats are uh, grooming each other back there, which is usually a precursor to a battle of some sort, but uh, yeah, they're getting along for now. Anyway, welcome back to the channel, guys. Uh, I guess most of you have noticed by now, if you're a viewer, subscriber of the other channel, uh, Storytime with Uncle Reddit MC, that channel is no longer, well, it is, but it's got a different name, different logo, everything, different format, and uh, we're doing body cam videos over there. I like I like watching body cam videos. Usually when I'm editing these videos, I have an earbud in one ear and, and a body cam video playing on my phone right under the monitor while I have half a set of headphones on, you know, with the earbud in uh, editing these. So I'm so enamored with all the, you know, the stops and the, I'm so enamored with all the stops and the crazy people that just do what crazy people do. So anyway, if you're interested in that and you haven't been over there, go check that out. That's uh, Law and Foolishness with Uncle John. And uh, we're going to keep the story time with Uncle Reddit over here. It is going to be a combined channel now. So not just Tales from Tech Support. We're going to go back to our roots and it's going to be combined. Tales from Tech Support, Malicious Compliance, Pro Revenge. And uh, for all of you that only come for the Tales from Tech Support, I am so sorry. I just, there was no way to sustain both of those channels the way they were with the way the content comes in and things like that. So... Yeah, I mean, the good news is I do have them sectioned off by playlist, so you can always, you know, narrow things down like that. But uh, anyway, more ramble, ramble, ramble. That's all right. You got to watch the cats bathe. All right, let's get to the stories. A six-pack by any other name. I was in the Army way back when the Internet was new and computer illiterate commanding officers had their clerks print out emails so we could read them. <laughs> As a young private, after work, me and my buddies would often stop by the Class 6 store on Post, an army liquor store, to buy beer after we got off duty. One day, me and my buddy grabbed a 12-pack of beers on the way to the barracks. When we got to the barracks, we had to pass a CQ, charge of quarters, basically a guard posted at the entrance to the barracks. The CQ that day was Specialist E4, who I really didn't get along with. He was mad he had to pull CQ duty and was always trying to find everyone's stupid infractions. He had taken special interest in me for some reason. The CQ told us we could only bring six beers into the barracks. Since he was an E4 and outranked myself, E2 and my friend, who was an E3, I was very respectful when I asked him what he meant. He pulled out a three-ring binder with the barracks SOP, Standard Operating Procedures, and pointed to the section that said a soldier could bring only six beers into the barracks. Interesting. I thought about handing my friend six beers and taking six myself to get around this stupid rule, but this guy would log that we opened the 12-pack of beer outdoors in the logbook and we'd get in trouble anyway. But then I had another interesting idea. I thanked the CQ and told my friend to come on. We walked back to the Class 6 and got a refund on the beer. Then we bought six 40-ounce bottles of malt liquor. <laughs> we went from 144 fluid ounces of beer with 12 12-ounce 12 cans to 240 fluid ounces of malt liquor and six 40-ounce bottles. When we returned to the barracks, the CQ wanted to inspect our package. He just about hit the ceiling when he saw I was carrying six 40-ounce bottles. CQ said, I told you you could only bring six beers into the barracks. Me. There are six beers in there. I can count them off if you like. I then proceeded to count them before he could respond. Flustered, he allowed us to proceed. The next morning, the first sergeant, highest-ranking non-commissioned officer in the company, called me into his office. He yelled at me for about five full minutes before he calmed down long enough to tell me I was getting an Article 15, which is a non-judicial punishment, roughly the military equivalent of a plea bargain. Why? Because I violated his SOP by bringing six 40-ounce beers into his barracks. That was when I heard the CO, commanding officer, a captain in the next office over, call for the first sergeant. First sergeant jumped up and went straight to the CO's office. 
I strained to hear them talking for a few minutes. From what I could make out, they were reviewing the SOP and comparing the CQ log, but their voices got louder as they started expressing different views, and I could hear that part clearly. First Sergeant says, but it says clearly you can have a six pack of beers. CO says, First Sergeant, it says you can have six beers. First Sergeant says, but it's obvious it means six cans of beer. No, First Sergeant, it's not obvious. Send that soldier back to work. We're done here. A couple seconds later, I could feel the sheer anger as First Sergeant came back into my office and bellowed, get the F out of here. So I did. Wherever there's written rules, there are loopholes to get around those written rules. It, it didn't spell anything out. And I'm sure the spirit of the rule was written because of six packs of beer. Normal canned six packs, even way back in the day when the pull tabs actually came off of the cans or even before that when you had to open. Holy crap. Holy crap, I thought we were having an earthquake. <laughs> oh my God, I'm sitting here looking at the camera and I can see the screen out of my peripheral vision. And all of a sudden everything's going like this. I'm thinking, but the ground's not moving. The washing machine evidently vibrated through this whole floor. I guess it's time to uh, readjust the feet on that. Anyway, uh, as I was saying, you know, way back in the day when you the, had the pull tab on cans and you would pull the whole pull tab off, or even before that, when you had to have a, a church key to open a can of beer. And, uh, you know, they came in normal packs of six or 12, mostly six. And I'm sure that's the way the rule was written. But, hey, you didn't spell it out, six beers or a six pack. So, there you go. It's us or grad school? I used to work for a company that advertises knights, horses, and real weapons. If you know, you know. I was a follow spot operator. Basically, you point the big light at the horsey man to highlight them. The company didn't seem to like hiring extra people for that position, and in hindsight, the turnover rate was pretty high. Plus, pay was $10 an hour. This is all important. During my work there, I had major surgery, which put me out for two months, requiring me to quit and getting hired back. That never seemed to be an issue. A few months after that, I developed a preseptic bacterial infection to a mild form of sepsis. My fever was 103, and my heart rate kept going up. I was sick. This necessitated me being out for a week. However, for some reason, I had to miss an extra night of work and forgot to call in, largely because my meds knocked me out. This was my bad. Again, important. At the same time, I'd been accepted into graduate school and had a class that met one Saturday a month. I was called into my boss's office to discuss the no-call, no-show. The conversation went as follows. Manager says, hey, OP, did you no-call, no-show? That's pretty bad. Me. I'm sorry, I sent you an email and a doctor's note after as soon as I could. I understand this is an issue, though. Manager says, well, you've been written up for it, but that's not what concerned me enough to call you in today. Oh? You're asking for a Saturday off every month. That's our highest attendance day. We can't do that. Then I said, well, I thought with enough advance notice you could schedule around me. Manager says, see, that's the problem. We've had to constantly lean into your needs, and now it's time for you to consider our needs and your team's needs. I said, what are you saying? Well, it's either us or this class. <laughs> Me. I need this class for full-time attendance. I can't drop it. Manager then smugly says, well, I guess we'll see where we are in two months. I said, okay. I left his office and told my coworkers I liked goodbye. Then I clocked out. He comes storming out to my truck, screaming at me, asking how I could quit on him like that. I told him he wanted me to choose between grad school or this rinky-dink job, and I made my decision. I then took off the costume belt and handed it to him, saying I'd bring the rest back when I had time. A week later, I got my first real stagehand job that paid $20 an hour. So yeah, F you, dude. I have a master's now, and I'm set to start teaching at colleges this next semester. And I'm a pro stagehand. Never give your employees shitty ultimatums. Yeah, that's just a bad way to do business. 
I'm not saying that I've never done it. I've given my employees ultimatums before, but I knew what I was getting into. I don't, I don't ever give an ultimatum, a threat, a promise for anything good even, unless I know what I'm doing and I mean it. So if, if I was that manager and I said, you know, pick grad school or me, I already know I've got a plan in mind to replace this guy if he chooses grad school. And oh, by the way, working at that fancy horse place with all the real weapons and dusty plates of chicken that you eat with your hands, <laughs> if you know, you know, working at that place isn't really that much better than working at like, you know, Mickey D's, Burger King or whatever else. There's nothing more glamorous about it. In fact, most of the people where you're working are drunk. If they're not if they're not showing up drunk because they tailgated before they came in, not that I've ever done that, then they're going to be drunk before they get halfway through the show and meal. So giving them the ultimatum was fine. But to be mad about it afterwards, nah, that's stupid. You gave the ultimatum and he chose. So it's on you. Show me what's in your pants. Okay. I got to say something before I start reading this. I don't pre-read these guys. I mean, I know what the title says, but and I don't usually pick and choose too much, but uh, we'll see where this goes. This may not make it to the channel. This story was just told to me by my amazing Haitian grandma. She's not the greatest at speaking English, so some of this might have been a little lost in translation. We were listening to r slash and the topic of <laughs> came up on how some people are low-key uneducated. I was telling her stories about how some girls weren't allowed to go to the bathroom by male teachers, even on their <laughs> and she told me this gem. She said that she was in the Dominican Republic for vacation and was shopping at a store. Now she said she was bigger than she is now and that she was wearing a skirt. She was of course on her pee and wearing a pad. It apparently was poking out the front a little. The store clerk had told the women to come to the front and had maybe noticed the bulge on my grandma. The interaction went something like this. Store clerk says, hey, what are you hiding in your pants? Grandma says, uh, nothing. Store clerk says, ma'am, I can see you smuggling something. I'm going to have to call security if you don't tell me right now. Grandma says, okay, call him. The store clerk obliged and called security. They came shortly after and talked to my grandma. Security says, ma'am, what are you hiding? Grandma said, I already told the clerk I'm not hiding anything. Security says, you're lying, show me. At this point, grandma was getting fed up and just decided to follow his instructions. She pulled on her underwear and ripped that stuff right off and placed it in his hand. Blood exposed and all. Oh my God. The man apparently was appalled and screamed, "Ee, what the F is that? And started screaming. Other customers had come and questioned why they would think she could smuggle something in that skirt. Grandma just paid for her stuff and left like the boss she is. I mean, that was malicious compliance, but uh, yeah, could you imagine trying to do that in this day and age? <sighs> Both sides, you know, really, you're a store owner. I don't care if you're in the Dominican or not. You're a store owner, store clerk, store security, and you're getting that personal with somebody. I don't give a crap what, I don't care if they got a TV shaped bulge down there. You leave it alone and call the authorities to deal with it because in the U.S. at least, you're opening yourself up for sexual harassment all day long. And then the other side I can see is, uh, yeah, the, the, the biohazard. And I mean, I know she must have felt horrible being asked and picked on about this and stuff like that. But uh, uh, anyway, next story. <laughs> Number picky? Okay. So where I work, we register cars and issue plates according to what we have in stock. It's a common question for people to come in and ask for a specific number of tags. And normally if I have anything applicable, I'll try and accommodate as best I can. Cue entitled customer. Entitled customer comes in, hands me his paperwork for his car and a temporary tag. I want a plate with these numbers. I go, okay, I just restocked. And I'm 99% sure I don't have those specific numbers, man. Nope. Entitled customer wants me to check for those numbers. I say, no, we go by what we have in stock. He can check all up and down with all my coworkers if they have a plate with those exact numbers, but it's slim pickings that anyone's going to have the exact number plate in their drawer. 
He quiets down while I work his paperwork up. Are you sure you don't have those numbers? Even if it's not the same sequence, I just want those numbers. Sir, I can assure you I do not have those specific numbers. Sign here, please. Yeah, but it's just an important number for me. Are you sure you can't check? I just restocked my drawer. I don't have those numbers. Okay. I finish up with the paperwork, start typing, get to the very end and tell him what his total is. And that we take cash, card, check, money order, etc. The plate's already picked out. He tries one more time. Okay, but are you sure you don't have those numbers? I'm fed up at this point. I've been lenient with the five times you asked, buddy. You want me to search? Fine. I pop open my drawer and go through the first rack of plates. This is a pretty hefty stack, enough to make a solid thump on my desk. Well, let's just take a look, huh? Customer says, oh, oh no, you don't need to do. No, I insist. I go through them one by one. Nope, not that one. Not that one either. Oh, that also doesn't have the right numbers. Wow. By the time I'm done, entitled customer is saying, oh, okay, I'm ready to pay. But I completely turned Billy Mays here and was like, but wait, there's more, and grabbed the second stack of plates. It must have felt like watching Jimmy in Stick of Truth during the unskippable flute scene, because we are not skipping any single plate. Entitled customer eventually got the hint that I didn't have his specific plate because he paid, and he left saying it was a cultural thing for good luck. I feel like a bit of an asshole here, but I'm not an Etsy artist. I don't do custom orders. What we have is what we have. I don't see anything wrong with the customer asking. I mean, here, at least in Maryland and New Jersey, where I came from, you know, you can you can pay and order vanity plates with specific sayings and numbers. There are rules that go along with that. People find a way to skirt the rules, but after a while, they'll change up and they'll take your plates from you because they realize what you actually spelled on there. But anyway, but other than that, it's whatever's in the bin. When you get plates, you get whatever's there. If you want specifics, you pay extra for it. You wait, you special order. And oh, by the way, there's a vetting process to make sure that, like I said, whatever you put on the plate isn't obnoxious or obscene. There was nothing wrong with the guy asking to begin with. But after the first time, you know, when you said no, or even the second time when you said, listen, I, I've been through all these plates. There's, it's not there. That's when you take the hint and say, okay, I got you. Upload everything to SharePoint. You got it. A number of years back, I worked for a company that was on a company-wide migration of most office documents to SharePoint. It worked great for things like shared documents, sheets, contracts, but our department worked with large data sets. You can see where this is going. One day, the project manager of one of the projects I was on asked me via email to upload everything I had on the project to SharePoint. This is a real pain because there's tons of files, and I'd rather not. Everything? Are you absolutely sure? There's a lot. He was sure. He wanted everything, so everything he got. Many thousands of data files, terabytes worth of stuff. I get a frantic call from IT. It wasn't meant for this. I tell them to talk to the project manager. They ask why, and I just forward his email with the instructions to upload everything. Minutes later, a company-wide email goes out saying, SharePoint is for documents and spreadsheets only. It's kind of like the time, you know, I used to have an 89, 1989 Toyota two-wheel drive pickup. Small little pickup, compact. And yes, I did fit in behind the wheel before any of you start. Anyway, <laughs> um, it, it was a great little truck. It would haul stuff, but it was it was light duty. It was a little four-cylinder engine with a little, you know, four-speed transmission, manual transmission. Great little truck, great on gas. Drove that thing everywhere. Well, my dad and my uncle owned a boat back then. It was a really big boat with twin uh, gasoline engines. And there was also a generator in there. Now, when I say generator, you know, what pops into your mind? The rinky-dink things that you would use for your camper or emergencies if the power went out? No, 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 no. The old generators in these old 1960s wooden boats were 
bigger in some cases than the actual engines that drove the boat. And the generator would run and power all the house batteries so that you could have power if you were anchored out somewhere. Well, they were getting rid of the generator. One, they wanted to lighten the load. Two, it didn't run. Three, they never anchored out and needed power. Uh, so, you know, as long as you had your regular engines, you could run enough batteries to have just a couple lights and a radio. Uh, that's really all you needed. So, yeah. We pulled that generator out with the big hoist, and he wanted me to take it back to the house, which was about, on a normal day, just over an hour away from the beach. This time it took me over two hours because uh, it had my front wheels just barely touching the blacktop. Now, if you've ever had anything in the back of a pickup that's that heavy, that it's pulling the front of your vehicle up, you know that your steering is absolute crap. I ended up doing 35 miles an hour at most all the way home. <laughs> it was brutal. Not to mention the fact that the time of year that it was, the deer were running nuts. And, you know, it's a long stretch of highway through the Jersey Pine Barrens. And uh, the deer were just going nuts, jumping out in the road left and right. And, you know, not quite as bad as like those videos with the flying fish or anything. But, you know, probably every 10 miles or so, I would see a deer. Only one actually jumped in front of my truck that night. But thank God. Actually, when I slammed on the brakes, everything pushed forward and I got better traction. Who would have thought? Where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. Using things for you know, what they weren't meant for. So anyway, sometimes you can make do, but other times you really got to use the tools for the job. Sidetrack. Boss insisted I work in the office today. My boss and I had a disagreement about working from home this week. The office is in San Francisco. I live in the East Bay and need to cross the Bay Bridge to get to work. We had an important presentation scheduled today. I wanted to do it virtual because the APEC meeting is in San Francisco this week and everything seems disrupted. President Biden and Chinese President Xi, I think it's Xi, are here. It's a two-hour commute on a typical day, and I told my boss it might not be feasible to come in this week. He insisted I come in, so I said, okay, but don't blame me if I get stuck in traffic. We had a pretty heated discussion about it. So today there's a huge backup on every freeway toward the Bay Bridge because protesters have chained themselves across all five lanes. Oh my gosh. The bridge is completely closed. Now the boss wants me to do the presentation virtually. But I told him I can't. I'm stuck in traffic. I can't operate my vehicle and do the presentation. You'll have to do it without me. But he isn't really qualified. You know, I can understand. The boss is the boss. You make the rules, you say what goes, fine. But at least have enough sense to listen when people speak to you. The guy was making total sense. President's coming to visit. The roads are a crap show on a normal day. And you're asking me to come in on the day when the president is supposed to be in town doing some sort of conference or meeting or whatever. This is dumb. But like most bosses, he probably had enough ego that he wasn't hearing anything you were saying. Just in one ear and out the other. YouTube thinks you're going to like this video right up here. So uh, do me a favor and help the channel out by giving it a click. Thanks. See ya.